Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Well, it wouldn't be appropriate to start some Thanksgiving message without asking you to do a little bit of shouting out. Right? What are you thankful for? Hit me with it. Friends. My kids. Family. What? Actually, I'm, I'm like nearly deaf today. Anyone struggling with a little bit of cold thing going on? Yeah, me. I am. So, you have to really shout it out. Homegrown ah, turkeys. There you go. Homegrown turkeys. Music. God's grace. Absolutely. Days when you don't have to work on the holidays. Spoken like a true shift worker. And what was this over here? Health. Health, yeah. What's that? I am really deaf today. Oh, yes, the new roof. Anyone notice that when you drove in? Yeah. Absolutely. Very thankful. Is that a mom I heard? Yeah. Sleep. So much to be thankful for. And when we really take the time to reflect on what we're thankful for and all that we've been given, there's something natural that happens. The more we're thankful, the more we're willing to give. Somehow, our giving quotient, our generosity quotient, is is connected to our gratitude quotient, our our thanksgiving quotient. Those are somehow connected. We're going to see that today. As we study continue our study in the book of Acts, we're going to see how being thankful for the gifts that God has given us naturally overflows into how we give uh, to others. Let me give you a quick recap, not only for those of us who maybe haven't been here for a little bit, but also those of us who are visiting. We are doing a study through uh, the story of Acts, which is the fifth book in the New Testament, and it's like a little history. It's the history of the earliest church. And it chronicles the spread of the good news that Jesus rose again from the dead, that he's alive, that God has come to live in people. And we watch this good news spread out from the epicenter, Jerusalem, where both Jesus died and rose, but also the Spirit came, right to the known world, all across the Roman Empire. We're not there yet. We're in the early part of the story. But that's how this story unfolds. Now, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus made a promise. He promised his followers that the Holy Spirit, that God himself was going to come into them. And that as a result of that, they would become witnesses to Jesus. People that, that, that point others to Jesus from their hometown right to the ends of the earth. He made this promise in chapter 1. In chapter 2, we see that promise to begin to be fulfilled. The Holy Spirit comes in a powerful way. And immediately, these 120 people that are gathered become worshiping witnesses. They're giving praise to God, and suddenly the world is wondering at it, and now they're explaining what's happening. And so the promise that Jesus gave in chapter 1 is immediately being fulfilled. It's amazing. We can actually read the whole story of Acts through that lens of promise given, promise fulfilled. And what we see as we will continue in the story is that the Holy Spirit just keeps fulfilling that promise that Jesus gave in chapter 1. Promise 
fulfilled. Well, in Acts chapter 2, which we've looked at in the last couple of weeks, last week Glenn Peterson looked at the last part of that, and before that was me, we see that this promise that Jesus gave is fulfilled in two primary ways. First, it's fulfilled through verbal witness. That is, the Holy Spirit comes into people, some crazy stuff happens, and the world is standing around going, people are standing around going, what is going on? Well, Peter stands up in front of this crowd of people and he explains that what's happening is because Jesus rose again from the dead and has sent his Holy Spirit into people. So first, through verbal witness, they point others to Jesus. But also, we realize that the witness doesn't just happen from verbal proclamation, saying things about Jesus. The second way, in chapter 2, that we saw the Holy Spirit fulfilling that promise that Jesus gave was actually through the way that this early Jesus community was living. They were, we heard this, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to fellowship, devoted to the breaking of bread, devoted to prayer. They were sharing their resources with each other very generously. And also, the Holy Spirit continued to do some pretty amazing stuff through the life of the apostles. They were like performing miraculous signs. And these were all pointing to Jesus. And all of that, what they were devoted to, how they were living generously, these miraculous things that were happening, they were all signs that God's Spirit was present in this community. They all were witnessing. And it says at the end of that part that Jesus continued to add daily people who were being saved. At the end of the verbal witness, 3,000 people joined. As they describe the type of community it is, we're told that more and more people are joining. And what we hear in that is, it's both through verbal witness as well as the way that this community is living, that this promise of witness is being fulfilled. Both are needed. What we say and how we live. Both are needed, both are synergistic. You can't have one without the other and still be a witness. That's really clear in chapter 2, but we'll see that over and over again through the story in Acts. Well, today we move to chapter 3, and we're just going to do the opening part of this story today, but we get a snapshot of how the Holy Spirit is actually using the apostles in particular to continue the work and the ministry of Jesus. We're seeing even more people hear the good news that Jesus rose again from the dead, that he is alive, that the Spirit has come, that, 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 that life can never be the same as a result. Now, Luke, as I already mentioned, when he describes this early community, he says everyone was filled with awe at the miraculous signs and wonders the apostles were performing. Well, this next story, which takes all of chapter 3 and chapter 4, we'll spread it over over a few weeks, it's really an example of that. It it gives us like one story as an example of, of one of the miraculous signs that these apostles have been performing in the name of Jesus and the resulting witness that flows out of that. Let's dive into that story. It's just the first 10 verses of Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, one of the gates, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold? I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's a great story, and it's not over yet. This just introduces the scene. The ripple effects of this healing are going to echo over the next chapters of Acts. But today, <coughs> excuse me, we're just going to stop here and explore what this means for us. Because Luke wants everyone who's reading Acts to know that Jesus, who died and rose again at the end of, uh, uh, of Luke's volume one, Luke, it's called Luke, written by Luke, and then and then he kind of overlaps a bit at the start of Acts and says, you know, he's alive. He wants people to know Jesus is alive and active. Because of what he's given, this has happened. The ministry of Jesus, in that very real sense, is still happening. Remember what Jesus was doing all the time? He was constantly healing people, teaching them about the kingdom of God, proclaiming the good news, and inviting people to follow. And this is still happening now through the apostles, through his chosen witnesses. He wants everyone to see that. For today, I want us to consider how our ministry to others, our way of being together, I want us to consider how that in the name of Jesus, is a natural outflow of what we have been given in Christ. So let's tease that out of the story. The first thing we start with is what we have been given. We ask the question, what have we been given? Now, we've already named some of what we are thankful for. But I, I think there's something powerful in here where we have to remember, you know, do you ever get distracted in life? Is it easy sometimes to get so busy that you forget what's amazing? Are you, am I, I'm not the only one, right? So I know how we can get busy or we can, we can feel sick or there can be things going on around us that, that pull our attention away from the amazing things that we have been given, who we have been given. And so it's important before we even really get any further into the stories that we stop and we say, what have I, what have we been given? Now, that's a practice we can actually do on a daily level, right? You can get up in the morning and list five things that you're thankful for. And it will change the way you see your day. If we have a continual focus on what we're thankful for, not just on a Thanksgiving weekend, but on a daily level, remembering what we've been given. And we talk about, we named some of the amazing blessings we have, but we can also tighten it up and say, what? Because Jesus rose again from the dead and gave us the Holy Spirit so that God could live in us. What have we been given? And really drill down on that and talk about the change that that means for us. What it means that the God of the universe now has chosen to reside in us. In you. The gifts of being adopted as a son and a daughter of God, the the fact that, that I have been forgiven, not only of my, my sin, but forgiven of, of the ways that I miss things, forgiven of my confusion, forgiven past, present, and future, that I can actually live in full freedom because of what God has done for us in, in Jesus. And that he lives in me. I mean, 
We really need to focus on that, to remember. It includes the money. It includes the warm houses. It includes the family and the friends. It includes those things, the energy or the experiences that we have. But it also, very specifically, we remember who we have been given, what we have been given because Jesus rose again from the dead and the Holy Spirit has come. It's interesting, actually, just a little bit of a side note. It's one of the reasons why the early church, but the church as the family of God, it's one of the reasons why we continue to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Because it's actually only through the apostles' teaching, which we could even say is captured in the New Testament in particular, that we're able to really understand who we are now because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit. You could say the New Testament is really the outworking, figuring out, wrestling with, and and a lot of it's from Paul as he writes to different churches, essentially helping them understand what does it mean now to live in Christ by the Holy Spirit. What does that look like in our relationships? What does that look like in my family? What does that look like in my work? How am I to understand myself now? How are we to understand the community in light of what Jesus has done? And the Spirit who has come. And really, the whole New Testament is the outworking of that. And so being devoted to the apostles' teaching is crucial. It's one of the reasons why we gather. It's one of the reasons why we emphasize Bible study. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you to read the Scripture. It's one of the reasons why we teach the way we do. Because we believe that you actually can't know who God is. We can't know what Christ has done. We can't understand the work of the Holy Spirit apart from the apostles' teaching, apart from the New Testament, that God has revealed himself through that. And so our devotion to it is critical to really understanding all that we have been given. Are you with me so far? So, with all that we have been given at the front of our mind, or at least some of it, how does that change then? how we see the needs around us. You know, if you're, you've got, you're, you're carrying, just imagine a big bucket over your head, and you're carrying in your bucket all the things you're thankful for. And you keep putting stuff on top of it, because really the list is endless, right? Well, after a while, you're carrying all this stuff around that you're thankful for, and you see over there someone who has a particular need of some kind. What do you do? How how does carrying all of this, how does our awareness of all that we've been given change the way we see someone's need in others? This is, I think, critical. It leads us to that question. What need do we see? Now, when Peter and John saw this lame man, which I find is quite interesting because Jesus went up to the temple, didn't he? Did he not go in the gate beautiful? Did Jesus avoid that gate? How is it that this man has been getting hauled there? Was he out for a season while Jesus was around? I don't know. These are mysteries we don't understand. But one thing we know is that on that day, when Peter sees this man, he sees him with a lens of what he's received, of what they've received. What have they received? They've received the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. They've received the uh, transferred authority from Jesus himself who said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach people what it's all about, heal the sick, go out there and let people know that I'm alive. And so when Peter sees this lame man, it's very striking how he looks at him. Have you noticed there's a lot of looking going on in this passage? 
Peter looks at him. He says, look at me. And I don't know how long the stare down happened. Was it to the point where it got awkward? I, I don't know. But they're looking at each other. And the focus and the attention of both Peter and John and this man, it's very telling. And it challenges me. I ask myself, what do I see when I look at others? You know, really, think about the people that you run into on a daily level. Some of them, the first thing I see is how much they irritate me. Is that, I'm the only one? (laughs) Sometimes the only thing I see is their need for driving lessons. Or manners. You know what I'm saying? What, but what do I see in others? And, and, and I think what, what this story challenges me is it's not just a, the brush contact, but the focus. When I actually take the time to look at someone, what need do I see? In particular, how does what I have been given shape the way I see the need that they have? I don't mean this in a patronizing way, like you're looking down on some others, because we all have needs, right? I don't mean that way. But I just mean, how does it change the need we see in others given what we have received? Peter and John, they look at this man. They, they, they direct his attention toward them. They're, they're looking at, there's paying attention. And that challenges me. When I see a person, do I, first and foremost, see a person who is designed to be one with God himself? Is that how I see others? Well. I have to really focus to remember that. Particularly in circumstances that would lead me to think otherwise. Right? But do I see? Do, 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 when I really look prayerfully and discerningly, do, do I see a woman who has been called by Jesus to follow her? Do I see a man who needs to experience the power of God in his life? You know, do I see the emptiness behind that laugh my brother-in-law always has at Thanksgiving dinner? Or do I see maybe for once behind the bluster of my neighbor who's always telling me that I haven't cut my lawn right or did my fence right or feed my goats right or whatever it is right? Do I see behind that a sense of insecurity? Like what, what, what do I see? What do I notice? It may not be a physical need because frankly a lot of times in, in our lives... Our friends, isn't a physical need necessarily, it could be, but it's often a a friendship need, a purpose need, a desire for meaning or for connection. What do I see? And also, it's interesting, we could unpack this whole thing, but we won't. It's interesting to me that this man directs his attention to Peter and John, expecting to receive something from them. And when I thought about what do I see, I see sometimes when I look or pay attention, I, I also see expectations that people have of, of what I might give or how I might respond. And I think we need to be aware of that. I mean, let's be honest. <clears throat> sometimes when people find out who you are, like a Christian or at least connected to the church, or worse yet, try being a pastor sometime, where you think, oh, I know what they're expecting from me. They're expecting judgment. They're expecting condemnation. They're expecting some kind of, like, pullback. I mean, it's amazing how many people apologize to me for things that I'm like, what? That's okay. I've actually heard that word before. You know, it's, it's like, don't, you know. But there's an expectation that people can have when they direct their attention to you. And, and, and maybe I, I want to challenge that because sometimes 
what we're seeing are expectations of, of how we'll respond, even, even the way we'll meet a need, that may not actually be what a person needs. I mean, all the junk aside of being cynical and being judgmental, but what if the thing that people are expecting is actually, wow, actually we've got something that's even greater to give. In this story, he expected money. And money would have helped him, right? It would have absolutely helped him. But what they had to give was something far greater than that. Now, I firmly believe that if, they, if he'd actually just needed money, they'd have given him money. They had money, right? They may not have had it on them. It was not like Peter was lying. But we just read earlier that this is a community of incredible generosity and resources. If this man needed money, they would have got him some money. But what they saw was a man who's always expecting this because of Jesus and what he'd given them. They could give them this. What a, t- what a difference that makes. What a difference it made for him. I think in this little interchange, there's something going on where Peter and John and looking into the eyes of this man and they're discerning what does the Holy Spirit want to do for this man? What need is he calling us to meet? And at that moment, they gave out of the abundance that Jesus had given to them. And I think that's true Christian ministry. For followers of Jesus, it happens when we, we walk about the world, as it were, in the name of Jesus. We, we recognize that because of what Jesus has done and what we've been given, we don't just go out these doors, we don't just go to work or school, um, just Joe Schmo from down the road, but we actually can operate and begin to walk with more confidence that we actually go into the world under the authority of Jesus to do the things that Jesus did, to offer the good news and the freedom and the life that Jesus himself has told us to offer others. And so there's a very real sense that true Christian ministry happens when we, in the name of Jesus, give from what we have been given to meet the needs of the people around us. What we have received and what people need comes together so that we give out of what we've been given. And that's our third question. We give from what we've been given. And I think this takes discernment. I think we often have a knee-jerk response to what the need might be that actually is more conditioned by our lack of comfort, our discomfort with what the issue might be, or, or, or maybe uh, I just want to get this over with because I'm busy and I, I need to move on with my day, so let's just, you know, slap them five bucks and let's move on, please, or whatever. I think the challenge here is that we need to be willing to look. We need to be willing to listen, to spend time with, to to actually allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to both see the need and what we've been given and discern, maybe in community, maybe in conversation, maybe in a split second, what is it that we are to give out of what we have been given. This includes, of course, spiritual blessings of of sharing the love of God and and the desire he has to be in relationship with us, but it also includes material blessings so that we can can offer in the name of Jesus a prayer for healing, but we also can offer just as confidently in the name of Jesus a cold cup of water, a friendship, time spent with, an invitation to come for Thanksgiving dinner or, or maybe just time spent over the phone. 
when we begin to consider and let the Holy Spirit help us see the needs around us, it may change the way we respond. Like maybe, maybe what my sister really needs is that spare room in my house. Like maybe that's actually the need out of what I've been given. The Holy Spirit is calling me to share. Maybe, maybe the need really is to help financially, but maybe it's to get alongside someone and help them budget and be an encouragement and, and be walking with people in a particular struggle. What is it that we've been given that we're called to give out of to meet the need? And friends, I think this is actually the truth of Pentecost, the, the great coming day of the Holy Spirit where God comes to live in all people, not just a few select leaders, but God comes to live. I think this is the truth of Pentecost, that our incredibly generous God has actually come to live inside of his people. And so, if that's true, and we believe it is, then giving is part of who we are now. It's part of what we do. It's, it's like how we see the world. We've been given so much, we naturally give. Because the generos, generous God now lives within us. Generosity is quite literally in our bones. Which challenges us, right? Because I'm not always generous. Are you? Are you always generous? I know some of you are. I thank God for you. You probably have a gift of giving. You should nurture that. For the rest of us, I have to school myself to generosity sometimes, right? I have to, I have to tell myself it's okay to be generous. At that very moment, I realize the only reason I'd be struggling with being genera- generous is why. Because I somehow think that what's in my big bucket of all that God has given me, I somehow think it's limited in its resource. I somehow think, you know, if I tilt that too much, the whole thing's going to splash all over the ground and yeah, you'll get a bunch of stuff, but then I'll be left holding an empty bucket over my head or whatever. I'll be left with nothing. I think of it as something that I can't give away too much. I need to hoard it, but that's not true. When we really understand what God has given to us, there's a sense in which as much as we can give away, we've got the very generous God who has unlimited, unending resources, living within us as a community, living within us as people. So the more we tilt the bucket, the more He will pour in. That's the truth of Pentecost. The generous God lives in us. And this, as a result, gives shape to our witness. It gives shape to our ministry. It gives shape to our daily interactions that whatever we're doing, speaking a word, helping someone out, going to someone, listening to someone, responding to someone. We're doing it in the name of Jesus, which means we're doing it under the authority of Jesus. We're doing it as a representative of Jesus. As someone who is so aware that Jesus has risen again from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father, but that he has sent his Holy Spirit to live in us so that we can freely share from what we have been given. And the shape of our witness, the shape of our ministry, I dare say the shape of our very lives flows out of that. Those three questions. What have we been given? What needs do we see? And what is the Holy Spirit calling us to give from what he has given to us? Well, what kind of difference does this make? Now, in the case of this fellow at the gate, beautiful, his life was forever changed. I love the, the walking and the leaping and the praising God. It's like, this like real Pentecost has come to his life, right? He is like, 
running through the temple. And these people are, whoa, what's going on? I'm trying to pray here, you know. What is that? Wait a minute. Is that the guy? I mean, oh, I gave him 20 bucks yesterday. <laughs> is that the guy? Look at him. What's happened? How is this possible? Right? How is it? And there's a drawing that happens as this change and transformation has been worked through the generosity of God through His people. Others notice. Others wonder. And that pattern we've been noticing in the book of Acts that we'll see again and again where God works, people wonder, and the church witnesses. This happens again. We're going to hear the more of the witness part in the coming weeks. But there it is. This man is leaping and dancing because God has entered into his life, and he has been fundamentally changed. And friends, we cannot downplay the effect of what Jesus wants to give through us to others. And the kind of effect that can have on people's lives when they're noticed, when they're loved, when they hear for the first time, the tenth time, the fifty-third time, that there's a God who loves them, who desires them. When they notice it's not just a, a thing that people are saying, these Jesus followers, but they're living it out. They live generously. They're including me. They're, they're calling. They're following up. They're asking questions. They're inviting me into their lives. And they're doing it out of something that's been given to them. And they may not be able to put their finger on it at first. They're going to wonder what's going on, but they're going to be drawn to it. People coming to know that there's a God who loves them, who wants to pour his life into them, and seeing the change that results. Well, that works out into witness because... Thanksgiving? I mean, can you get a better Thanksgiving image than this guy walking and leaping and dancing through the temple? It's a beautiful image of Thanksgiving, right? He's just, yeehaw, right? I can't do that when I have a cold. <clears throat> but he's excited. And the world is like, look at that guy. I want to know more. Thanksgiving overflows into witness. And that's what I think we need to walk away with today. God has given us so much. We do live in a world. We are surrounded by people who have desperate needs, some of them hidden, some of them undefined. Some of them, they think their need is this when their need is this, but needs nonetheless. We're surrounded, and yet somehow, out of what God has given to us, He has called us to share in simple and profound ways His love. I want to share with you in closing today a song. I'll ask you to sing along. I'm going to need your help. Um, it's, here's a little backstory for you. It's the very first song I learned on the guitar back in the summer of, I don't know, 1989, I think. Some of you weren't born then. Some of you were. But the song was written before I was born. First song I ever learned, and it captured what we're talking about today, but also the call that, that we who have and this is the song, Freely. We who have freely received are able to freely give. I've got to find my lyrics because I don't remember them. It was a long time ago. Oh, oh yeah, there it is. It's an old song. It might be so old that many of you, it's new. But um, if you could join with me as you can. And
God forgive my sin in Jesus name I've been born again in Jesus name and in Jesus name I come to you to share his love as he told me to he said freely freely you have received freely freely give go Because you believe, others will know that I live. You got that? Why don't you stand? This is our benediction today. And my heart and my prayer for all of us is that we would fully grasp what it means that we've been freely given everything, but also that we've been commissioned, given the authority to spread that, to give out of what we've been freely given to others. Verse 2 says, All power is given in Jesus' name in earth and heaven in Jesus' name and in Jesus' name I come to you to share He told me to He said Freely Freely You have Received Freely Freely Give Go in my name And because Jesus, we are so thankful for all that you have freely given to us. Holy Spirit, for coming to live in us, for making us one with the Father, for giving us all the rich bounty that we have. We are thankful. And today as we go, I pray that we would be just struck with all that we have been given. And that you, Holy Spirit, would reveal to us as we see the world around us, as we see the simple and complex needs of those around us, that you would inspire us by your Holy Spirit to give from what we've been given, freely, without reservation. Freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely give. Here, this is our benediction. Go in my name and because you believe, others will know that I live.
Happy Thanksgiving. Go in grace. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey. Whether you're finding Jesus for the first time, or you have been following him for years. If you have been listening for a while, perhaps you're wondering how you can support the church financially. To find out, please go to ericksoncovenant.ca and click on the Donate tab. Thank you for being part of this journey with us. Every day we are seeking to help people to find and follow Jesus.